Over the next number of weeks, I'm hoping to work my way through, the Lord willing, through the prayers of David. And we'll be settling at various points in the life of David before and after he became king. And we'll be looking at the prayers that he offered up to God in the form of his psalms during this time. Today we come to David as he hides away from Saul. King Saul has been his enemy for quite some time and now he's actually acted out against him and tried to kill him. And so David has fled from him. And we come to David in his situation, in his grief, in 1 Samuel 21, verse 10. This is where David initially flees before heading out to be all alone. This sets the stage for the location where David is when he, uh, when he reflects back in this psalm and also how the Lord deals with him during that time. 1 Samuel 21, verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. We now move to the psalm itself. Psalm 142, which will be our text for today, the passage that we'll be looking at in depth. And Psalm 142 is a contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully for me. 
the word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I am just so thankful the last little while to have been able to hear the response that so many of you have had in the face of this crisis. There are moms among you who have spent time teaching your children and things are maybe getting a little bit overwhelming and difficult and yet you've somehow in the midst of all that spoken of how you have found time to to turn to the Lord in prayer and to lean on him and to find your strength in him. That's been something that's been beautiful to hear and beautiful to see. Also, you dads, when you're facing uncertainty because maybe you've lost your job or, or you own a business and you're not certain of how everything is going to be pan, panning out after this. Or maybe you currently do have your job, but you are not certain of the future of it. I've still heard so many of you talk about how you're finding your strength in the Lord during this time. You're able to carry on because you see what he's done. You're encouraged by the fact that he is your strength and your shield. And you know that Christ is king. And that he sits on the throne even in all of this. And that's been such a beautiful thing to see. Even for you who don't have children, who don't have these dependents looking onto you, you still have your own concerns. And yet many of you have confessed time and time again your hope and your strength being in the Lord. Even when you feel uncertain and you don't feel strong in yourself. And this has a very real impact. Whether it be on your, your children, your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. Or if you don't have any of those, on your neighbors or even on yourselves, as just bringing glory to God. And witnessing all of this is a very clear reflection also of this passage that I am going to be working with you, with, working through with you today. Psalm 142. And as we look at this passage I proclaim to you the word of God. Seek the Lord in the cave of despair. And we'll see, first of all, the cry, and secondly, the refuge, and then finally, the purpose. Psalm 142, as we can see in the introduction, is a contemplation of David, a prayer when he's thinking back to his time in a cave and, and how he prayed while he was in the cave. Now, which cave it was is uncertain because he doesn't specifically mention the cave of Adullam here. But it seems highly likely that it's referring to that cave before any of his family members or friends gathered around him. It's a reflection of a deeply lonely time in his life when he had enemies setting a trap for him. In verse 3, you can read about that. And he was completely by himself in a cave. In verse 4, You can see that as well. And this was the one time in his life when he was in a cave and he experienced all of those things coming together at one time. And we read while he's facing this deep loneliness and this deep uncertainty that he says, I cry out to the Lord. Lord here in capital letters This sets the stage for how he comes to God, how he's dealing with his present situation. 
Lord with capital letters, Yahweh, the covenant God, the name of promise, the name of relationship. Does this ring true for you? Do you come before this God in the name of this relationship that you have with him through Jesus Christ, his son? Do you come before the Lord on the basis of this name that he's given you, this, what this name means? The Lord is the one whom so many of you have been crying out to at this time. This is the same Lord that David is crying out to. He's hiding in the cave, he's hiding from Saul, and enemies are searching for him in every corner of the countryside. And he says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice, with my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. This is no no mumbling here, no whispered prayer, but it's first a vocal pouring out. It's just a, a, a cry. And then after that, he takes a step back and he makes a supplication, a more organized Request a more organized calling on the Lord as he begins to look at everything that he's just poured out. He says, I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. He has a cup full of grief. And he's holding it in his hands and it's brimming over and he's, he's saying, as our Lord Jesus Christ said in the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ ultimately chose not to pass this cup because this was the only way that we could be set right with our Heavenly Father. For our sakes, he drank it down to the most bitter dregs to give you the opening to bring your cups before the Lord, to open a way and let you be heard. But here, you, as David, are pouring it out in the darkness of the cave, pouring it out before the Lord, saying, my cup runs over with grief. I can't keep it to myself. I pour it out before you, O Lord. There are times when I can't pour this out before other people because they might not be present or they might not understand. But on the basis of this relationship, I'm bringing it to you, O Lord, my Yahweh. You know to be a Christian doesn't mean to say that you have no troubles. It doesn't mean that you're living a life that's easy. And there really can be times when you feel like you can't even bring your grief to pour out before those who are around you because maybe they've already heard it so many times and they might not understand your situation or the fact that you need to grieve all over again. Or perhaps because they they might even scorn your grief as it's bringing over brimming over. Perhaps they might even say, yes, but everybody's going through a hard time right now. But it means that despite that, you are still able to bring your cares to him who is king. 
as so many of you have already been doing. You're pouring out this cup before the Lord. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. I know that many of you can relate to that. As you've faced times in your life, or maybe even now, as you're facing the various challenges that come with this virus, or challenges that come with everything else. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way I, in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Now, who are they? David, of course, was facing very real physical enemies. King Saul was out to kill him. But for us, we need to remember that we also are facing an enemy. We're not just facing the very real, invisible enemy that is the virus. This is a fight against the invisible enemy that is the devil, the world, and even our own flesh, which is to say our own sinful nature. In Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament, it it talks about a war not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of darkness. When you are thrown into a new situation like we're facing today, the devil will try to overwhelm you. The devil will try to shake your foundations and make you uncertain. This is something that you can expect. It says they've secretly set a snare for me. You can only set a snare for someone if you've been watching their patterns of behavior. You young men might be able to reflect on this. When you set a snare, say you're setting a snare for an animal, do you just set it anywhere? Chances are that if you've done it more often, you'll likely set it by a trail where you know animals will be. David is saying, my enemies know the patterns of behavior that I have and they've laid a trap in the way that I walk. I can't even safely go in the places where I safely could before. And yet, before even that, recognizing that, he has already taken a step back and says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. They are not the only ones who know your path. The Lord knows your path. The Lord is aware of every movement, including the actions of your enemies. And he is watching over your path. Even when you're completely alone. When David first ran from Saul, not even his family was around him. We we read about that, how his family came to him later, but here he was just completely alone. And he says in verse 4 in our psalm here today, look at my right hand and see, there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. No one's able to take care of me. Now it's not necessarily that no one cared at all. He just feels so alone that those distant people who might care don't even come to mind as people who could come alongside of him. And it's not like he can run to them. If he did run to them, he would be bringing danger to them. There was nobody able to be there for him, not one person 
that he could run to for refuge. No one person who would build up and strengthen his soul. And there can be times when no one else is able to be at our side. And then the devil, the world, and our own flesh don't cease to try overcome us, as, as we read in the Heidelberg Catechism. And they don't care. Our sinful nature doesn't care about the eternal destination of our soul. It only cares about what I want here and now. Fulfill my desires here and now. And this, this world only wants us to fall into step with it. It wants us to fix our eyes on the here and now instead of eternity. And wants us to enjoy the pleasures of this world alongside it as damaging as they might be. And then the devil... The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He wants to devour those who belong to Jesus Christ. They don't care. And in the face of that, there's no help. As David had said, no one cares for my soul. He feels there's no help. So what does he do wrapped up in the depths of the cave? Wrapped up in the cold and darkness and misery and loneliness? Look at verse 5. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Nobody else in the land of the living is here. I cry out to you, O Lord. I've been blessed to see this happen so many times over and over again. I cry out to you, O Lord. That covenant relationship, that, that covenant relationship which has been so dear for so many of you, Lord, in capital letters, you have confessed Alongside David here, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Now notice the grace of God even here. Sometimes you need a disaster to remember to run to the refuge. And you need the Lord as refuge in order to share a portion with him. Sometimes the Lord will use these times to remind us where to flee and to remind us that our portion doesn't lie out there in the land of the living. Our portion doesn't lie out there where all those other troubles are, but our inheritance, our salvation, and our favor lies with him even as we move through the land of the living. Attend to my cry, he says. Attend to my cry. For I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. They are stronger than I. If we look at our current situation, this is an event that's brought the government of the world to its knees. And we can see how something outside of our scope of immediate control where we can change things can feel overwhelmingly stronger than we are. If it can bring governments of the world to its knees, how much more could it not bring us to our knees? 
And this is a picture, a picture that we could have of the work of the devil himself. As we so often sing in hymn 53, a mighty fortress. He is constantly seeking to work as well. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? But we cry out to the Lord, bring my soul out of prison. Deliver me from my persecutors for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. Now I want you to notice something here, especially as we look at those words. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. He sees his soul as being locked up in prison as well, not just personally being locked up. David sees the temptations that come with being locked away and hiding with a cave as being much greater than the dangers that he faces outside. He must hide to preserve his body, but more importantly, he prays to the Lord to preserve his soul, to preserve his soul from the temptations that he faces as he hides away from the world. Our Lord reminds us that we, whatever our fears and anxieties may be here in the midst that we face temptations that are much greater than that. This does not downplay your difficulties, but rather it's a confession that on the surface level, your difficulties isn't half the battle. There are underlying pressures and underlying temptations in those difficulties that we face that can be much more dangerous. As one pastor said, One ounce of sin can harm us more than a ton of suffering. Because an ounce of sin can harden our hearts so that we can lose everything. But suffering, handled rightly, can make us wiser, happier, and deeper. Suffering, handled rightly, bringing our suffering to the Lord and responding to him in light of this. As David confesses here, we need the Lord for this. We need him to bring our soul out of prison, to release us from bitterness, from laziness, from wrath, short bursts of temper, from every other temptation and sin. And the beautiful thing is that as Christians, we can confess that this is our hope. David says, bring my soul out of prison. And we know one who has broken the prison of the grave to raise us up to new life one who has won the final victory, Jesus Christ. In him, we have already won that victory. And we hold fast to that victory. We look to that victory in Christ as we face our temptations from day to day. We lean on Christ as we face our temptations. 
This is true for us. And then the Lord does something beautiful here as we continue. Having given us this deliverance, this deliverance that David cries out for, he then turns our eyes to the communion of saints for help and support. And that's the very next line. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully for, with, with me. Here, King David, before he was king, doesn't know what the outcome will be after hiding in his cave. He doesn't know that people will gather around him. He doesn't know that eventually Saul will fall to his destruction. He doesn't know that he'll be raised up and one day be king over all of Israel. He's just sitting here in the cold, in the dark, in a cave, all by himself, not daring to go out because enemies have set a snare for him. He's uncertain of how all of this will unfold. And yet, he cries, he rests in the comfort that the righteous shall surround him. We'll get to that in a moment, but he's, his response is to cry out to the Lord, bring my soul out of prison. And what's his purpose for that? His purpose for that is so that I may praise your name. His purpose for delivery is not so much for his own benefit. His purpose for delivery is that he wants to praise the name of the Lord. He wants to bring glory to the Lord. And for that reason, he cries out to the Lord. Let this be our desire as well, beloved. As we cry out to the Lord, as we speak to the Lord in our time of need, as we come to Him, look to Him to deliver us, not just from our situation, but from the temptations that come with it. I also want you to reflect on what the desired outcome of this was. The glory of God. And then see that beautiful thing that the Lord does in response to that. The righteous shall surround me. The Lord had mercy on David. At the time, he didn't know that deliverance was coming. David didn't know, but the Lord did. He cried out to the Lord when he was in the cave, and the Lord comforted him. As we read in our passage, as we, as we read in the passage in, in Samuel, many people surrounded him. His family came to join him, and hundreds of others came to support him. His fellow saints... The righteous did surround him, and the Lord dealt bountifully with him. This didn't happen right away. After he finished his prayer, he still had some time to wait until they all gathered round. But the communion of saints was able to be there for him. They gathered round and gave him comfort. Now, even as they did gather around him, this didn't mean that all of his problems were immediately solved. He still had to wait for quite some time until the fulfillment of the further promise that he would be raised up to king. And even beyond that, he had to wait even longer before the Lord fully fulfilled that promise that his soul would be out, brought out of prison, so to speak. 
metaphorically, not theologically. How? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who came so many centuries after him. And yet he was able to rejoice already now in the salvation that was to come. He was able in the midst of his own suffering, in the midst of his own difficulty, to praise the name of the Lord, looking ahead to what was coming. For yourselves as well, beloved, your enemies, the devil, the world, and your own flesh as they surround you, even as you cry out to the Lord in such a time as this, for those who in faith find their strength in the Lord, for you who find your refuge in the Lord, the devil will not be able to overcome because Christ has already won the victory in the battle for your soul. He might attack you, but when you look to the Lord, the Lord will deliver you. And even though for a time you may feel overwhelmed, you may feel harried on every side, he will be there. And this is that final confession. As David expresses his confidence, you shall deal bountifully for, for me. He has looked back at how the Lord has dealt with him and his chosen ones in the past, and he has hope now for how the Lord will do this in the future. Beloved, hold fast to these words as you go out into your week once again. Hold fast as you face your various challenges. Cry out to the Lord from the depths of the cave. Run to him for refuge. See the purpose with which you cry out to him. Your desire is your end goal that you may praise his name. And then rest secure with the future already in his hands. Praise him, for he has dealt bountifully for you, with you. And so he will also deal bountifully with you. Amen.